Lazy Gardener Podcast. Welcome to the Lazy Gardener Podcast, and it's time to look at June with, indeed, the Lazy Gardener who's with us in the studio. Hello. Hello, Ian. Yes, it's June again. And it's June, a beautiful month. This is when everything in the garden is happening. It's all green light from here on in because we've been warning about the weather and the late frost. But June, it's all, as I say, it's all go, go, go. And planting is in full swing. But remember, so are the pests. I'm often asked why conifer hedges are turning brown. And note, there can be many reasons. The one that causes problems at this time of the year is a cypress aphid. It really can do some damage to your conifers. Keep a watch for these aphids on your juniper, cedar, pine and black spruce, particularly on some on, on the bark of mature spruce trees. Now check behind the shoot tips for signs of aphid activity such as mottling, yellowing and sticky foliage. Also look for sooty mould, which is caused by the aphid secretions. If you see ants running up the main stem, this is a sure sign that aphids are present, as ants are attracted to the secretions. Actually, love it. But do not confuse aphids with the harmless bark lice. These aphid-sized insects, both winged and wingless, are generally brownish-white in colour. They run rapidly over the foliage and stems, unlike the slow-moving conifer aphids, which cause the damage. They can be controlled with chemical intervention, but with the law now, because it, the law is rapidly changing with, with the use of sprays and chemicals, and they're bringing laws in and taking things off the shelves. So we can't, like we used to, recommend anything because it's probably not there anymore, not available anymore. So you have to check with your garden outlet for, outlet for advice on the correct one to use. Organically, they can be sprayed with horticultural soap. So it's, it's very much, isn't it? June is indeed busting out all, all over, not because uh, people are wearing less clothes because uh, the, the weather is better, yeah. but because uh, obviously all of the flowers are coming out. It's a great time to be doing some planting and also as you say the the insects are out and about as well everything's happening at at this time of year now um what about sowing then brassicas for example yeah brassicas it's a wide range which we normally associate brassicas with cabbage cauliflower kale and this sort of thing and even radishes but a lesser known brassica is a fast-growing colroba now it looks something like a Sputnik in vegetable form. It has a squat bulb and antennae-like shoots. Colroba is part is part of the cabbage family. The name translates as turnip cabbage, and the mild sweet flavour is somewhere between a turnip and a water chestnut, with a crisp, crunchy texture. It can be found in in sort of two colours: pale green and and the less common purple. Uh, and they're very useful, these are, in as a catch crop. You know, in, in other words, you've got a bit of land there, you, you've got your tear mark for something, but you want to put a, 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 you want to grow something that's going to harvest quickly, you can, you can get it sown, it matures, and you get it out, so the ground, it becomes vacant again for what you've got a tear mark for. To grow from seed, you sow directly in the ground, about one inch deep, and thin to about eight inches apart. Harvest the swollen stems when they're about two inch in diameter, and they absolutely they are a really nice vegetable to grow. But a lot of traditional gardeners stick with the old things. But try something different for a change. You want to talk about Japanese maple this month as well, don't you? Yeah, maple, maple, the the the, uh, the palmatum types. Palmatum is. Exactly what it says, 
palm atum. If you look, the leaves have got five lobes on it, like the palm of a hand, and that's where the name comes from, palm atum. And uh, don't be too alarmed if you've got, um, you know, sort of minor dieback on these. It's likely to be caused by sort of cold damage sustained in the winter. So remove the dead branches, you know, to prevent other diseases such as coral spot invading the dead tissue. Coral spot, you can't miss it. It's, it's named coral spot because that's exactly what it looks like. It's little bright spots. The delicate foliage can also be easily damaged by wind and sun scorch. And it's also worth remembering that if you buy aces and put them in the garden, they do like a slightly acidic soil to get the best from them. So if you haven't got, if you aren't putting any ericaceous compost in there, not a lot, just a little bit mixed up with the soil, you can also use an ericaceous feed if it starts to wilt a little bit or don't look quite right. Look for brown leaf tips, in extreme cases, crispy leaves. This is with sun scorched. It will send the leaf tips and they're saying extreme cases that it sends the old leaves very crispy to avoid scorch move containerized trees out of exposed positions and strong winds when planting choose a nice sheltered spot protected from strong midday sunshine and give them plenty of space get plenty of air around them now I can't pronounce this, but um, these are blue-flowered shrubs that you want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, is it cyanthus? Yeah, you nearly got it in. You know what these are. You've seen them, and you'll love them. I bet you do love them. The cyanothus. Oh yes, the, the blue-flowered shrubs that grow. You sometimes see them on cottages up there, growing up the wall with a long blue spikes hanging down. Absolutely stunning. They're one of the best blue-flowered shrubs that we can grow. And most of these cyanothus are, are reaching the end of the display now. But why want to mention it in this particular month? Once they are established, avoid pruning. You don't want to prune an established one unless you have to because it's getting out of control. On very young plants, pinch out the soft young shoots in spring to make bushier specimens. If necessary, trim over long flowering shoots by half with a pair of sharp secateurs and avoid cutting into any wood older than one year because if you do that, it just will not grow and it'll start dying back. On wall trading plants, prune the previous season's growth by one-third to one-half, so about one-third to one-half, and cut back the shoots growing into or out from the wall. So what you're aiming for there is cutting them back a little bit to encourage more growth and also tidying the plants up. These things don't last that long, though, do they? No, no, they don't. You're quite right. Cyanothus tend to live fast and die young, same as we all thought when we were teenagers. So an average lifespan is between 10 and to 15 years now you've got to remember that even any plant has got a lifespan apple trees pear trees and so on some will live for years and years you know 80 90 years but every plant's got a lifespan if the plants become sparse it is always best to replace a plant than attempt to renovate it renovating it will just not happen and as long as you're able to water well you can plant now as there is enough time for the roots to get established before winter and plant all cyanothus in a sheltered position in well-drained soil. So definitely something you can be doing in June. Um, hanging baskets, this is a big um, area of debate in my house yeah, as yes. to where they go and when they should be put outside and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, but yeah. June is the time, right? June is the time. Get them out now. And I just must mention one thing before I forget it. It was brought to my attention by our own Terry Hurst, who's you know, he's a postman, 
And he said, we also warn people where they put them because postmen are banging into them as they walk, same as a bookman or anybody else. They're walking down the drive and they put that low and bang, boom, bang. Totally, because so, that's one of the reasons why I'm sort of having a bit of a discussion uh, with, yeah. uh, with, with my close one um, about where it should be because... Um, I, I'm worried that I'm going to hit my head on it when I go to put out the bins. That's right. It's it's important they're up high, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's all right saying you'll, you know it's there, you'll avoid it. You will not. You will forget it's there and bang your bump your head. So get them up or out of the way. Uh, and once you've done that, then you can enjoy it. But honestly, if you put it in the way, you're going to bang your head on it sometime or other and that makes you... And then the... You're not enjoying it like you should be doing. Garden health and safety. Correct, very much so. But as we said, Ian, they can go outside now and, and uh, you can put them out or you can start planting. There's still time now to plant new ones up. Now, the line is baskets can be lined with ready-made liners or pre-bought moss. Alternatively, rake up moss from the lawn and use this as a thrifty option. But prunings from conifer trees, they also make a beautiful rustic liner. But you will need to place some plastic just inside it to stop the water running straight through it. Now, there are different ways and ideas how to garden. So it's very rare that I actually tell gardeners what to do. We advise and guide people. But there are a couple of exceptions, and one of them is never. Never, please, line a basket with black polythene so that it can be seen. It looks morbid. It looks as if you had a bereavement when you hang them up, like little black balls there swinging away. Far better to visit your local charity shop and buy a couple of woolen jumpers, any colour you like. They really make first-class liners when they're cut to size and they look very, very nice. And as you fill your baskets using multi-purpose compost, it is a good idea, particularly if you're a very busy person, you're out at work all day, it's a good idea to mix in some water-retaining granules and some slow-release fertiliser granules, as this will cut down on the need for watering and feeding. And fill the basket with your favourite plants, large ones in the middle, smaller and trailer ones at the edge, and you'll have a fantastic display. They do look fantastic, don't they? And I suppose as well, lots of local garden centres do some awesome ones as well, so you don't yeah. necessarily have to do it yourself if you're a bit of a, a lazy gardener, but, yeah. but even lazier than you. Yeah, yeah, you're quite right, because I mean, a lot of people haven't got the inclination. So there's a lot of people who don't like gardening, but they have to actually love to see a nice garden, and they want a nice garden. So there's, there's ways of doing that, you know. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's a good job. We don't all think and love the same thing. Right, let's move on to tomatoes. Tomatoes in June, what should we be doing? Yeah, well, as uh, tomatoes were growing away now, and as they grow up the canes, the cordon tomatoes, these that's the ones that grow straight up. As they grow, stop uh, the, to stop the stems collapsing. Remove side shoots. Well, time in to stop the stems collapsing. Time into the canes. Remove side shoots as they appear. These grow in the leaf axils adjoining the main stem. These shoots make great softwood cuttings. Just place them straight into some multi-purpose compost as so you pinch them out. Just get some multi-purpose compost in a small pot and, and just stick them in and they will soon root and make nice plants which will produce at least two trusses because you are planting them late, bear in mind, but they will produce at least two trusses of nice tomatoes. So much so that the second truss makes ideal tomatoes for showing as they are usually all the same size and quality. So it's like a shortcut if you want to do a bit of showing, particularly at the Mansfield Flower and Craft Fair this year. Stop the plants when they have produced a maximum of six trusses. This is done by removing the growing tip. 
Keep the plants well watered and feed with a high potash fertiliser. And remember, ventilate regularly and keep the humidity up by damping down the paths and, and benches. And when I say feed with a high potash fertiliser, always get the biggest bottle you can afford to buy. It's cheap. The more you buy, it's cheaper. And you're going to use it in the garden because it's not just for tomatoes, it's for your hanging baskets, for your bedding plants and everything else. It's labelled tomato fertiliser, but in actual fact, it's just a high potash one which all your plants need. And, and these are tomatoes in a greenhouse? I in guess. a greenhouse, yes. Because some people do have them outside, although they are a bit hit and miss, aren't they, with regards to the weather? Not not now. Yes, you, you're quite right. They can be, but they're more reliable now with the, with, the, with the ones that's available. The one I also grow is a heritage variety called Amateur, and that's absolutely brilliant. But you can grow tomatoes outside successfully now, but they want growing as plants and putting out about third week in June and they'll grow and produce some lovely tomatoes. And they are really tasty and sweet. Don't be fooled that they've got to be in a greenhouse. You can grow them outside. That's very nice. They're very tasty. They're very sweet. They can go different varieties as well. So have a go at that. But there is plenty available, or plants available in garden outlets, that are, that are suitable for outside growing. That are hardy enough for the UK. And, yes. And, and I'm guessing that you will be maybe eating those tomatoes late August, early September. Yeah, that's right, Ian. And also, we've been, been talking about hanging baskets. There's a lot now that's designed for hanging baskets. Uh, Tumbling Tom, hundreds and thousands. That's the one I grow, hundreds and thousands. And you grow these in hanging baskets, and they flower... And they all trail over your basket and they've got full of flowers, look nice, and then they're full of fruit, red fruit, and they look nice. But they're very uh, micro, miniature type tomatoes that's very sweet. And just, just mouth size, just bite size. And as you garden, you keep pulling one off and eating it or take them in tub with your salad. So you can grow them, as I say, in hanging baskets or anywhere nowadays. And we're going to move on to some other fruits next. Of course, a tomato is a fruit, but what about uh, stone fruits? Yes, stone fruits. Now, this is one that seems to cause a lot of problem. Pruning stone fruits. Now, cherries, apricots, plums, gauges, peaches and nectarines are all stone fruits. That is, they have a single central stone that contains a seed. These stone fruits need pruning between mid-spring and early summer when they are in full leaf and the sap is rising. Now, this is contrary to how you prune other different types of plants. But you do that for one reason, because pruning when the sap is rising reduces the risk of fungal disease silver leaf, which enters via pruning cuts. But because the sap is rising, it's pushed out by the pressure of the rising sap. So it pushes it out, it congeals, and it's nice and safe, and you don't get no disease in there. So remember, that's when you prune them. And finally for June... We're talking about coffee. This is not coffee in a cup at your allotment, is it? <laughs> this no, is well, coffee, know, coffee being used on gardens. Yeah, we know uh, uh, coffee keeps a lot of... I mean, our lovely Joe in the office, he, coffee keeps her going. In fact, she's got a little sign there. No coffee, no worker. <laughs> and and uh, she loves it. So do most people. And I think most gardeners are familiar with the idea of putting used tea leaves around our plants. But now coffee has been promoted as a fertiliser. But you can buy it. It's recycled coffee at 9.99 for a 5 litre tub. Is that, ex- is that expensive? That is expensive where you can go uh, as cheaper options you can go to Starbucks and they give it away free. 
Do other, that, do other coffee outlets do that as well? Yes, yeah, so the, 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 the coffee outlets, you get all these coffee remains and grinds left. And it's a problem for them. So if you go and ask them for some, they're only too pleased to give it to you. And what they do now, particularly Starbucks and as well as other outlets, they all do it. Uh, they'll even pre-pack it ready for customers to pick up so you ask and it's in a nice little bag and you take it away well so I mean what exactly does the coffee do then it, it helps things grow you say it's a fertiliser well it, yeah. sounds like a bit of a wonder suddenly we're putting coffee <laughs> coffee on our garden well it, these things are always evolving but I mean it, as you quite rightly say Ian is it worth adding coffee to our soil or even in uh, uh, compost heaps now the RHS, that's the Royal Horticulture Society, thinks it is, uh, as I do too. The nutrient value is there, but it's very low. But the organic matter added to the garden is always worthwhile. So what you're doing is adding sort of organic matter there and a bit of bulkiness to your soil. So it's very, very good for it. And we, we are saying this: there is some nutrient value, but it's very low. Now tea leaves. These have been used on gardens for a while, and but it's best to consign them really to the compost heap. There is a little nitrogen in the tea leaves, we've known that for years, but also present are aluminium, fluorine and mang- manganese. Though harmless to people, high concentrations in very strong or stewed tea could retard plant, g- plant growth. And the problem also is there's a l- more poisons particularly in the actual bag when you get tea bags in that bag there's more poisons we're we talking about poisons for plants not for people yes yeah, sure um, well obviously it's not poisonous for people because we blooming well love our tea don't oh, I we? do yes this is it so um, June one of your favourite months in the garden would you say yeah very much so yeah I, I, I really try to relish it because it's the, 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 the summer seems to fly by because, and I think the reason for that is because it's so nice, it's warm, everybody's pleasant. The solar-powered women come out, <laughs> and and it, it just seems to fly past. And that's why winter seems because it's you know it's dull and more. It seems to drag on. So I try to make the most of it and enjoy June and other months in the in the summer you've got to get back out there and, and really enjoy it yeah enjoy your garden and if somebody wants to find out more about the lazy gardener where do they need to go on the net they can go onto my website what website which is uh, org, and there's also tips on there and they can also contact me if they've got any particular problems and uh, I'm also on Facebook and on Twitter ah what, what's what's your name on Twitter what's your handle it's Rob Foster I'm not sure now. It's Rob Fo- I'm under Rob Foster on the. We should look that up very quickly. I'm just going to do that right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to know that kind of stuff, Rob. Hang on, wait a second. I, I, know, t- I, t- I know I'm following you because you're a big illiterate. tease. illiterate. No, you know your stuff. It's re Foster Two at re Foster Two. If you want to That's follow it. Rob on the Twitter, and he puts some little tips on there, and also um, he teases people on Twitter, which yep. is which I think what it's made for. Thank you very much, Rob. You're welcome. Come in. The Lazy Gardener Podcast. Go well in the garden, go well in life.